Chronicles chapter 26. And we come to our next. We come to our next king in our series on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And again, we're gonna not gonna give a full background. Like I said, I don't want to go through. Um, don't worry about it, Josh. If it won't come up, that's no problem. Uh, I'm not gonna go through a full recap every week, but just a a background on um, what we looked at over the last couple of weeks helps with uh, the king we're coming to today. Um, so if you remember that um, Amaziah, if you remember, made a bold statement um, against Joash. Uh, so Amaziah from the south made a statement against Joash from the north uh, about let us meet face to face. And if you remember, Joash gave a, a kind of um, a proverb type of thing to say, look, you're just a little, a little branch, as it were. Don't try and go up against the big trees of the forest because they're going to trample you down. And basically what happened then was he humiliated, um, absolutely humiliated Amaziah. And Joash takes Amaziah back to uh, Israel ransoms him. Um, uh, Judah then has to pay a ransom for their king, and Amaziah eventually ends up being taken to Lachish and is assassinated. Uh, After uh, that, um, Jeroboam um, is on the throne at the same time as this. You might think, when you're looking at these dates, you might think, well, hang on a minute, how does he reign for 52 years? And then he seems to reign for this period of time, but he was this old when he came to the throne, and he was that old when he died. A lot of the time, there's an overlap. So Jeroboam II is ruling as Joash brings Amaziah back to Jerusalem. So they have what you call co-regency. So sometimes the son reigned at the same time as the father. So if you ever come to the point where you think, these dates don't really add up. These times are not really adding up. There seems to be more time than, you know, than, than what's being said. It's because there was an overlap of ruling. So Jeroboam II is already on the throne, ruling with his father Joash in the northern kingdom. At that time, that Joash brings Amaziah back to Jerusalem, ransacks Jerusalem. Remember, he tears down the walls, and uh, uh, they end up. Um, um, putting a ransom out for Amaziah, and they assassinate him, and they make Uzziah king in his place. Um, We noticed that during the time of Jeroboam last week, it was a a time of great prosperity. Uh, During Jeroboam's reign, they expanded the land to uh, where it was around about the time of David, Solomon's reign. They went uh, all the way uh, up in the north, uh, Hamath all the way down to the Dead Sea. So Jeroboam's reign was a prosperous one, but it was not a spiritual one. During that time, Amos and Hosea and Jonah are prophesying in the north. Even though Amos was from the south, from the tribe of Tekoa, he uh, was sent to the northern kingdom of Israel to prophesy against them. And we saw uh, from those three prophets how wicked Israel was at this time and how spiritually bankrupt they were at this time. So as Jeroboam is ruling in the northern kingdom with all of that prosperity going on, all of that expansion going on uh, with the, the conquest of the land, and we have a new king on the throne in Judah named Uzziah. Two kings actually calls him Azariah, but we know him as Uzziah. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 1, it says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. 
He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jechiah of uh, Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabbath and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the, uh, the Mechams. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the gathering in of Egypt for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of the account by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the, chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and harbingers and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with, uh, with all. Uh, and his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Wow. What a king. What a good king. This is awesome. This is going really well. But, but, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, and he transgressed against the Lord his God, and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king. And said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the son of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was leprous until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the Acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper, and Jotham his son reigned in his stead. Father, we are so thankful for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity to come around you a word, Lord. I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. Father, I, I know that sometimes uh, when it comes to spiritual victories in our lives, we can become overconfident. We can take our eyes off you. We can uh, even stop reading you a word once our prayer is answered. And that's when we start doing things in our own strength. Father, what damning words to read when he was strong. That's when Uzziah took his eyes off the Lord and relied upon his strength and his stature, uh, his status and his uh, position as king. And Father, I pray that we would never do that in our lives. We are to trust you with all our heart. We are to walk with you. We are to uh, not lean on our own understandings. We are to simply be obedient to your word and to your will in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us to do that uh, right up to the finish line. Father, we just pray now that if there's anyone here struggling today in their walk with you, 
that you would speak to their hearts. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you have ever um, watched a, uh, a video or even seen it live on TV where an athlete is running a race and some of them look like they are miles ahead and they're going to absolutely, you know, they've blown the opposition away and they are going to win the race only to trip and stumble and fall right before the finish line. Now, any good athlete still finishes the race, no matter what, uh, even if they fall. But what happens sometimes is that overconfidence, they, they take their eyes off the finish line, or they start maybe looking around. Some even might start showboating. I've seen some videos where an athlete is so far ahead that he almost mocks and taunts those behind him. I've seen a, a, a cycling race where a, a cyclist is coming towards the finish line. He looks around, there's no one about. He puts up the arms of victory thinking, ha, 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 all of these losers behind me. And it slows him down a little bit. And the cyclist in second place who does not give up passes him and wins the race. How really sad to falter at the finish line. And that's what we see in Uzziah. Uzziah was the king of a faulty finish. Do you know what frustrates me with all of these good kings? Every single good king. If you go back and listen to the titles that we gave him, Asa was a good king. But what was he? He was the king that started well. Uh, Jehoshaphat was a good king. But his title was the king of compromise. Amaziah was a good king. But his title was the king of inconsistencies. Uzziah was a good king. But his title is the king of a faulty finish. Each of these kings either started well but didn't finish so well, or they did really well whilst they had a, a positive godly influence in their lives, or as soon as they started to do things in their own strength and by their own power, they suddenly weren't as indestructible as they thought they were. Uzziah, the name Uzziah means God has helped. In, in 2 Kings 15, he's actually called Azariah, uh, which is God is my strength. This is the king. Um, that way in Isaiah 6, it says, in the year that Uzziah died, Isaiah went into the temple and he lifted up his eyes and he saw the Lord of glory sitting on his throne. And that's when the Lord's uh, glory filled the temple. And that's where Isaiah made those incredible words, woe is me for I am unclean. Uh, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What an incredible influence for Uzziah to have in the prophet Isaiah. I mean, this guy is incredible. You know, when you read um, the book of Isaiah and you see uh, the type of person and the character that Isaiah was. And I think sometimes it's nice for us to, um, to kind of have an idea of the prophets that, that were around in this day. You know, that's why we're trying to put them up on the screen so you can see, you know, that, that during Ahab and Jezebel's day, Elijah uh, and Elisha uh, were ministering. And during Joash and Jeroboam's time, you know, you had people, the prophets like Jonah and Amos and Hosea. Uh, in Uzziah's time, you had Isaiah the prophet. How sad that like these athletes um, that at some point maybe took their eyes off the finish line, maybe got overconfident, maybe were kind of, I'd uh, forgot their training and suddenly a, a moment of brain fog, oh my days, brain fog, case in point, a moment of brain fog, they suddenly, um, you know, celebrated way too early, Uzziah falters at the finish line. He is the king of a faulty finish. Here's the thing. I want every single person to know. We are in a race. Whether we like it or not, whether we feel fit enough or not, we're in a race. Uh, it's not a sprint. You know, it's not something you can, you could probably sprint. If your life depended upon it, you could probably, you know, you could probably run fast enough. Um, but we probably couldn't do it for very long. 
We're not in a sprint. It's more like a marathon. It's, it's a long distance race. We're not exactly sure of where the finish line is in terms of when our journey comes to an end. But we've just got to keep going. We've just got to make sure we don't falter at the finish line. Now, that doesn't mean that we lose our salvation. And um, I believe what the Bible says, that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. If you are genuinely saved by the, the, the grace of God, if you've applied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your life, then the Bible says you are saved. The Bible also says that you are secure. God doesn't write you a name in the Lamb's Book of Life with, you know, he hasn't got like a, a, a pen in one hand and then an eraser in the other hand. He doesn't write your name in one day and then go, oh, no, now you're out. Oh, now you're back in. Oh, no, 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 now you're out. If you were generally saved, then you are saved. End of. But that doesn't mean once we're saved, we're all going to have a perfect finish. Because there are times in our lives where we fault there. There are times in our lives where we become discouraged. There are times in our lives where we take our focus off the Lord. There are times in our lives where we might turn our backs on Him. There are times in our lives where we're not as committed to Him as we used to be. There are times in our lives where we start to slip back into our old life, where the flesh has a bit more pull on us than the, the spiritual side of us does. And there are times in our lives where we will falter. Can I, can I just say this to you? Don't take your eyes off the finish line. It's easy for us to take our eyes off the Lord and look at our circumstances. It's easy for us to take our eyes off the Lord and have a pity party. It's easy for us to take our eyes off the Lord when we've made a mistake, when we've sinned, and we think, that's it. I've blown my fellowship with the Lord now, so what difference does it make? You know, I'm amazed at people who used to run well. But if you saw their lives now, you wouldn't even say that they were a Christian to begin with. Uzziah was the king of a faulty finish. I'm just going to look at three things today. I'm going to look at his character, his conquest, and his collapse. We see his character, uh, and we are told in verse 4, that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father uh, Azariah, Amaziah did. Uzziah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Two Kings gives us a little bit more detail. Uh, 2 Kings 15 says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, save or accept that the high places were not removed, the people sacrificed and burned incense still on the high places. You know, this sin of Israel is like a vice. We, we've said week after week after week, it was easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel. They still loved their idols. They still sacrificed on the high places. And do you know what? Nothing has changed. People in the world today still love their idols. And you might say, well, I don't see people worshiping wooden statues or uh, bowing down to, to stone carvings. No, anything that you put in front of God, anything that takes preeminence over God is an idol. A job can become an idol. Your bank account can become an idol. Family can become an idol. Anything that gets in your way with your relationship with the Lord not attending church, your relationship with the Lord. That's an idol. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians that struggle with idol worship today. The sin of the nation was like, it just had people in its grip. You know, they just could not understand that it was destroying themselves. Disclaimer, Sarah Jenkins, block your ears. It's like how um, you know, Inuit people capture wolves. Um, this is what happens. They will put a knife in the ice, and they will cover it with ice, and a wolf will come up and will start licking the ice. What happens then is, is when he gets through the ice, he starts to cut his tongue. And it's warm, but guess what? From licking the ice... He doesn't feel that he's cut his tongue, and he will keep licking and licking and licking until 
the wolf bleeds to death. That's what Christians do when sin that Christ died for and rescued them from and redeemed them from and ransomed them from, that's what happens when Christians allow that type of sin to come into our lives. We are, we, we are like almost brainwashed into not realizing that that's actually what's destroying our walk with the Lord. That's what's destroying our relationship with the Lord. And because Uzziah wouldn't deal with this issue, because Uzziah wouldn't say to the nation, look, let's get back to the Lord, get those idols off the hilltops, let's destroy the groves, let's destroy the high places, let's lead the nation in a national revival back to the God who rescued us and ransomed us and redeemed us, and let's have a a time of, of great revival in our nation because he allowed that sin to go on because he allowed idol worship to go on Israel would always be in bondage the Jewish people would always struggle and not have that relationship with the Lord that he desperately wanted with them compromise with sin will always lead to problems compromise to sin will always lead to failure and defeat And the Lord wants to help us remove those accepts from our lives. Ah, yeah, but brother so-and-so did that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, except in this area of their lives. Ah, sister so-and-so did that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, save this particular issue that they couldn't quite conquer, that they couldn't get over, that they couldn't get rid of. You know, sometimes... We hold on so tightly to that which is actually damaging us or hurting us or destroying us from a spiritual point of view. I know we don't want to falter at the finish line. We want to keep going and we want to run our race with patience and we want to be able to run our race in such a way that people see that testimony. Uzziah did that which was right in the Lord except in that area where he wouldn't remove the idol worship from the land. And in verse 5 it says, And he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah and who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Here's the thing. When the Lord answers a prayer in our lives, maybe we've prayed for something for so long, maybe we've prayed for the salvation of a loved one, maybe we've prayed for a promotion, maybe we've prayed for a a health issue, we've prayed and prayed and prayed. Finally, the Lord answers that prayer. We don't always thank him in the way that he deserves. Sometimes we, we kind of go to the opposite. Almost like, okay, the Lord's answered that. We take it for granted and move on. But when we had that desperate need, oh, we sought the Lord. Oh, we sought him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. We were on our knees every single day. We were in his word every single moment. We were asking for prayer, and we were praying and praying and praying, and then the Lord answers, and it's like, okay, done now. Don't need to seek him anymore because he's answered my prayer. But that's not how it works. It, it doesn't mean that you, you kind of like seek him, find him, and you know, knock and it shall be opened, and you know, and uh, seek and he shall find and ask and it shall be given unto you. And Right, I've done that now. Thank you very much. I don't need to seek you anymore. No, all of those seek, ask, knock are in the perfect present tense. It means it's a continuous thing. It's not like hide and seek. We're like, right, I found you now, so that's it. I don't need to, I don't need to search anymore. The word sought the Lord here, and this is why the, like the Hebrew language and the Greek language is just incredible because the English word just does not give it any justice. Here, the word sought, it actually means to, it has several meanings, and one of those is to inquire. And, and that's what we are to do. We are to seek the Lord when we pray. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We are to seek the Lord in prayer. We are to go before his throne every moment of every day. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to seek the Lord. Uh, and we do that when we inquire, when we come before him and ask. But not only does that word mean to inquire, it also means to require 
We are to seek the Lord, not just when we ask, but we are to continue seeking the Lord when he answers. But wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But the kicker is, as soon as the Lord answers our prayers, we're like, brilliant. I don't need to seek you anymore. But yes, you do. Because you need to seek the Lord when inquiring. You need to seek the Lord when requiring. Uh, And that word seek also means to frequent. We are to seek the Lord. Listen, I don't care if you get bored with me saying this week in and week out. We are to seek the Lord in the church that he gave his life for. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you something. The day's approaching. The day is getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the Lord's return. So we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are to be in church every time the doors are open. Not just a Sunday morning. I I don't get it, okay? I understand people work. I understand people are unwell. I understand people got to go on holidays. I get that. When you can come and you don't, I don't get that. Because I was in that position for so long. And the more I stayed away from church, the more like the world I became. And I can promise you this, before I came back to the church, you would not have said, that guy's a Christian. Because I spoke like my old self. I acted like my old self. And I did the things that my old self did. That's not a testimony. We are to seek the Lord. That word means to frequent. Christ gave his life for the church. It's not some old building we kind of are where we make sure we go so they don't close another one down. Christ gave himself for the church. And we're meant to be in our place. The word sought also means to investigate. We are to seek the Lord in his word. Study to show thyselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to study his word. Listen, I get it. I get that there are reading plans, and I get that people want to read through the Bible in a year, and I get that. But we're not to come to the Bible just to tick off a reading list. Because when we do that, we're not studying. Uh, how many of you have ever done this? How many of you thought, oh, no, I got, I got three days to catch up on now. So we try and do the Bible reading plan that we got because we wanted to finish the Bible by the end of the year. And then we're like reading those three days. And you're like, oh, my days, I've got to get through this. And you don't really know what you've read. The word steady there means literally to, to chew the cud. To feed upon the word. So that it's digested. So that it's a benefit to you, not to sight read and have no idea what you've just read because you're trying to get through so much scripture. We are to seek the Lord by investigating. Finally, uh, a fifth meaning of this word where it says the Uzziah sought the Lord, it means to practice. We are to seek the Lord in our walk. Philippians 3.20 says, for our conversation is in heaven, our lifestyle is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are meant to look different. We are meant to act different. We are meant to talk different. We are meant to be different from the world because, guess what? We are different from the world. His character. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord when he sought him. And then we see his conquests. He had incredible victories from verses 6 through to um, 15. We see that Uzziah was blessed in a number of areas of his life. He was blessed in the area of war. He was blessed in the area of building and agriculture. And he was blessed in the area of his army. He fought three enemies uh, to the west and to the south. 
Uh, it's possible that he did that to control uh, the trade routes. He defeated the major cities of the Philistines, Ashdod and Gath. Um, he consolidated his victories by building uh, cities in, that, in those regions. Um, he defeated the Arabians. He had victories over the Mahinamims. Um, God helped Uzziah in this area of conquest. And he was successful. Um, he was also uh, successful uh, in the area of building and agriculture. From, uh, in verse 9 and 10, uh, we see uh, that he built towers in Jerusalem. Remember now that um, Joash, when he brought Uzziah's father, Amaziah, uh, back down to Jerusalem, he destroyed some of the walls. Um, Uzziah rebuilt the towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. He also built towers in the desert, dig many wells, he had much cattle, both in the low country and the, and, and the plains and husbandmen. He, he was blessed in um, his building and agriculture. Um, but he was also blessed in the army that he had. We are told that 2,600 heads of the father's houses had men underneath them. Uh, and we are told that he had uh, in his army 300,000 and 7,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. God helped Uzziah. God helped him in these areas of his life. You know, sometimes you might think that well, God can't help in this situation. God doesn't know what I need, and of course he does. My God shall supply all you need according to his riches in glory. Uh, I don't know what your need is right now. You don't know what my, what my need is right now, but God does. God knows exactly what we need. God helped Uzziah in the battles. Let me tell you something. If you've not faced the battle yet, as a believer, you will. If you have faced the battle, then you know exactly what it feels like to literally be beaten down to the point where you feel you just literally cannot lift up your sword anymore. But God's not left us to run this race on our own. God's not left us to fight this battle on our own. God's not going to allow us to go through this walk on our own. He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Uzziah was blessed when he sought the Lord, inquired, required, frequented, investigated, practiced. He was blessed. And the Lord helped him. The Lord gave him victory after victory after victory. But then we see his collapse. In verse, you know, we, we did a, a, a series uh, maybe a couple of years ago now, But God. And I love those instances in the Bible where it says, Oh, all hope is lost, but God. Rich in mercy. Oh, all hope is lost, but God commendeth his love towards us. And I love those, those two words. But there are times in the Bible when that one word on its own is like, Oh. Uzziah's doing well, Uzziah's doing well, Uzziah's doing well. He's, he's a good king, he's a good king, he's a good king. But, you're like, oh, here we go. You ever found that moment in a, in, in a film? You're watching a film and you're like, oh, this is, this is really good. Oh, this is really happy. And then me and Joel turned to one another and we were like, bad bit's coming up now. There's a, there's a but moment coming. Like, oh, this is wonderful, this is wonderful, this is wonderful. Crash. And that's what's happening here. Uzziah is doing well, he seeks the Lord, he's obviously listening to the prophets, he's having victory after victory, the, the, the land is being blessed, the army is being blessed, but he falters before the finish line. Why? One word, pride. Pride. And that's all it is. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. And that's all pride is. Pride is literally lifting yourself up. When Uzziah was strong, his heart was lifted up. His success 
went to his head. We see that, don't we, in, in, in Daniel's book, where Nebuchadnezzar fails to give God the glory for what God has blessed Nebuchadnezzar is. Remember, um, Jeremiah says that Nebuchadnezzar was God's servant. And Nebuchadnezzar was blessed by God. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't give God the glory. And as a result, um, he is struck down uh, to live for seven years like an animal. And that's what pride does. Pride absolutely destroys. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before uh, a fall. One man put it, uh, put it this way. The fellow who gets on his high horse is riding for a fall. Whether that's Pharaoh, whether that's Naaman, whether that's Haman, whether that's Nebuchadnezzar, whether that's Samson, whether it's Herod, whether it's the men at Babel, or whether it's Israel at Ai, they all found that out, that pride goes before destruction, and as a result, that haughty spirit just leads to a fall. Pride is destructive. When we feel like we can do it, we can't. We can't do it in our own strength. You know, why do we think that, well, pride won't affect me. Pride is what caused Lucifer to fall. Pride is what caused him to be able to take a third of the heavenly host with him. That's pride. Pride hides a man's faults to himself and magnifies the faults of other people. Pride says there's nothing wrong with me. It's all your fault. I'll only say this now because she's not here, but every time I blame Joe for something, and I know deep down it's my fault, that's pride. Because we don't want to admit that we're wrong. Pride is just going to get us into trouble. Uzziah was prosperous, but that success went to his head. That success then didn't give the glory to God. It took the glory for himself. I've gained this victory. No, you haven't. God gave you that victory. I've gained this land. No, you haven't. God gave you that land. I've done this. I've built this. I've No. God did it. Uzziah's pride cost him dearly. But not only was, was he proud, he was also presumptuous. In verse 16, it says that he transgressed against the Lord God and went into the temple of the Lord. Uzziah felt that he didn't have to obey God's word. Because your king is, is God's word suddenly now not applicable to you. He thought that he was exempt. And he became indifferent. He became irreverent. He said, yeah, I don't have to obey. I know what the, the, the Bible says about going into the temple. I know what the Bible says about offering incense. But I don't have to obey that because I'm the king. If I want to go into the temple, I'm going to go into the temple. If I want to offer incense, I'm going to offer incense. Don't you tell me what to do. If God's word says it, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. Uzziah was presumptuous in the fact that he thought that God's word didn't apply to him because he was the king. Wrong. You know, people make the presumption today that God's word's not true. Wrong. That's a presumption that's going to get you into trouble. There are people today that says God's word does not apply to them. Wrong. They might not be able to apply it to their lives yet because they, they, you know, they're, they're not saved or they're unbelievers. But the word still applies to them. Oh, people today have the presumption that there's no heaven and there's no hell. Wrong. The presumption today is that once you die, that's it. The lights go out and nothing. Wrong. People make lots of presumptions today. There are people today that says, ah, oh, the presumption is if there is a God, he'll just outweigh my good deeds and my bad deeds. Wrong. If you don't have the sin, you do not have life. It doesn't matter whether you are religious. It doesn't matter what religion you belong to. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. If you do not have the sin, you do not have life. That's not my opinion. 
That's what the word of God says. And the world today might say, well, that's just narrow-minded. Well, that's just unfair. Well, that's just God's rule. It's God's world. He makes the rules. And he's made one rule very clear. If you accept the Son, you have eternal life. If you reject the Son, then you will face the consequences. That simple. People make the presumption today, I have plenty of time. Wrong. You don't have plenty of time. Today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow might never come. You might not, you're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed our next breath. Our life is like a vapor. It is here for one moment, and then it is gone. But the Christian makes presumptions as well. As well. We presume that God doesn't care what we do. Wrong. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Not just beholding the bad, but also beholding the good as well. He knows where we are. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we have need of. And we think, well, I've got away with it for so long, so why not keep doing that? You might get away with it on earth, but you will have to answer to the Lord one day. Uzziah's downfall was because of his pride, because of his presumption, because of his priorities. He thought that he could take the place of a priest. Let me just tell you something. Don't ever look at somebody else and think, oh, I'd rather be in their shoes. You have absolutely no idea what they are going through. None whatsoever. You might think the person next to you has got it all figured out and that, oh, their life is so much easier than mine. And they're like, You've no idea what they've just come from in their home. You've no idea that the conversations that they've just had in the car. You've no idea what they're going through. But we always kind of think it would be easier if I was somebody else. You are the perfect you. God's made the perfect you in the sense of, I can't be you. I can't be where you are. I can't go where you go. I can't proclaim the gospel where you are, but you can I can't be the testimony that you are. Because maybe there's some stuff that you've gone through that would have absolutely destroyed me and I could never have coped with that. But you've been through it and God's going to use you because of that. God made it quite clear. The kings were to be the kings. The priests were to be the priests. The prophets were to be the prophets. Only one person is going to take on more than just one role, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But other than that, the Lord said, no, you can't go into the temple. You know what amazes me in this, though? It's not Uzziah's downfall, or Uzziah's pride, or his presumption, or his priority thinking, I'll go into the temple. It's the priests. Going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, sunshine. <laughs> you can't come in here. That's the king. How incredible. That somebody who knew the word of God was willing to stand up for the word of God and say, no. You know, the unfortunate thing today is we live in a world where people will say anything and everything from the pulpit except what's in the word of God. Ah, oh, we won't preach on that because it'll upset too many people. Upset away. I can promise you this, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he spoke on earth, upset people. Oh, yeah, but we, we, we don't want to do that because there'd be nobody in the church. Let me tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. He had 12 disciples, and even one of them betrayed him. And Judas still had the best pastor, was still part of the best church, and was still included in some of the best worship services ever, and he still turned his back on the Lord. So don't be disappointed when people leave the church. Judas had the perfect pastor and he still left. Christ didn't have a million followers. He had 12 disciples and even they scattered when he was arrested. We just need people to be faithful to the word. To stand up. We ought not to let our pride cause us to stumble. Seek the Lord in every aspect and every area of your life. When he answers prayer, don't give up seeking him. 
You know, the, I've always said this. The biggest battle comes not during the battle. It comes immediately after the victory. Because when we get a victory in an area of our life, suddenly the next battle that comes after it is a stealth one. That's the one that catches us unawares because we are so high from our victory that we let our defenses down. We let our guard down. And the devil giggles as he swipes our feet from under us. Uzziah's pride cost him. His presumption cost him. Don't presume that the Lord owes us anything just because of who we are. He blesses us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Don't presume that you'll be better off being somebody else. Because that's not who God has saved you to be. You know, I always struggled when I first went into the ministry because I'd stand in front of Pastor Ed and I'd try and preach and I'd be like, days are never going to be Pastor Ed. I struggled for years when I came to Bethany preaching in front of Brother Andrew. And I think every single person who's ever taught in Compass Club or Blaster said exactly the same thing. I'll only say this now because he's not here. He's the most humble man I've ever met in my life. And he would never turn around when you were preaching or teaching and be like, that's a load of rubbish. And I struggled. I struggled to preach in front of him. But the Lord said, you're not here to impress a man and you're not here to be somebody else. Just be you. And I get that not everybody likes me. I get that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But that's okay. Because God made me me. And I get to be with myself 24 hours a day and I like my company. So get over it. And to all of those who've left the church because of me, I'll see you in glory anyway. So you're not short of me. Don't presume it would be easier to be somebody else because God's made you you. So be you. Don't be the old you, mind. Be the new you. Be the you that he saved you to be, not the you that he saved you from. Let's have the right priorities in our life. Let's just stick with the word. Let's stick as close to the Lord as possible. And let's just finish our race. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I have seen too many people get saved and sprint off the starting blocks and never finish their race well because they petered out. They lost control and they dropped out of the race. Run with patience the race that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our race. We're going to finish our race, not because of us, but because of him. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together and for this opportunity to come around to your word, Lord. We just pray that you'd help us in this area of our lives, Lord. We recognize that Uzziah was a good king and he was recognized as a good king. But there were areas of his life that he allowed that gap in the door for Satan to get a foothold. He didn't clean house as he should have. He was a good king when he sought the Lord. But when he was so victorious and strong, he took his eyes off you and his pride and his presumption that he could not be obedient to the word of God and his priority, the fact that he wanted to offer incense that was set aside for the, the priests, his pride, presumption, and priorities caused him to be judged by you in the way that he did not finish his race well. Lord, we don't want to be faulty finishers. We want to keep our eyes fixed firmly on that finish line. We're not looking at those racing around us. We're not to celebrate early as it were. We're not to take our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just help us, Lord, 
to get to that finish line, that we might be the victorious believer that you've saved us to be. And we pray and ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. We'll close our last hymn. During the singing of this hymn, I'm going to ask Jamie if he'll come up and then close our service in a word of prayer. And uh, we'll sing victory in Jesus. Amen. God, we are thankful again for this opportunity to gather together in this way. We are thankful for who you are. And Father, we are thankful for the preaching of thy word this morning. Help us, Lord, to learn the lessons of Uzziah, not through eyes of judgment, uh, but with humble hearts, knowing that we are all susceptible to falter. And Father, we pray that you help us, Lord, in, in trying times, in times of difficulty, to keep our eyes fixed on thee. And likewise, Lord, in times of strength, in times of prosperity, may we keep our eyes again fixed firmly on thee. And for thy glory's sake, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>